It's the Sided Podcast, episode three, and we have a couple new co-hosts. I promised you that we would have a revolving set of co-hosts, and today we have two. So no Jacob Polachek today. He'll be on in later episodes. We have Connor Nichols and Justin Kaplan joining myself, Cameron Ezer, on episode three of the Sided Podcast. We have a lot to get to, but right now, Connor, you start. Introduce yourself. What are you excited for on this podcast? Hey, guys. Uh, obviously... Came to talk Padres. Uh, I know Scott's ESPN LA, but for this decided uh, intern podcast, you know, we got to keep it uh, some SD local type stuff. So came to talk pods, excited about the pods. Let's go pods. Well, my name is Justin. It's very great to be here. I'm coming in with the hot takes. That's all I do. That's all I know. So I'm ready for the hot takes. Let's get to it. Hey, well, Justin, if you're promising it, then let's get right into the first debate that's posted on our website, Cited.co, as well as our app, Cited Debates. Go download that. Go make an account. Join in on the debate with, with so many other people because we do this podcast every day because the debates just keep on rolling in. Justin, I'm going to start with you on the first debate. Brady Polk on our Cited website said, with Julio Jones on the Titans, Will they win Super Bowl 56 this season? Yes or maybe? So he seems confident that the Titans are going to have a lot of success. I'll throw in a no option right there. What are you giving me, Justin? You know, it, it really is just building into the hype. You know, there's so many teams you see every single year. Unfortunately, the Padres might fall into that category. But there are so many teams that you can just build into the hype. I mean, you got Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. I mean, it, it really is scary to me. And if you're any defense, like, what, what do you do? Are you going to – you're going to double Julio and then have A.J. Brown open? Oh, and then, and then here comes Derrick Henry running you over. I mean, it's very easy to see where people are, are, are saying this. And it really depends because they got a great defense too. So I don't want to say yes. But I like the maybe option, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to take the field here. Okay, I'm going to – Connor, Connor, I'm going to interject before you talk here because I'm going to say yes. I'm going all in on the Titans this season. You said no, but the options that the Titans have – are further than plenty. The fact that this team has such a potent running game, on top of that, they have great wide receivers for Ryan Tannehill. If he can become a one-dimensional quarterback, which sounds weird to say, but in this situation, when you have such a great running game and such great wide receivers, I think it's all about the defense. If that defense can step up, you saw what the Buccaneers did to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. If a defense can stop a team like the Chiefs or the Bills, I think the Titans take the AFC, and I think they have a really good chance at the Super Bowl. Connor, do you agree? I do. I do. I agree with you 100%. Honestly, uh, a couple years ago, uh, watching uh, AJ come out, he was one of the um, most exciting players in the league. I remember talking to Justin about it. How long do you guys think before AJ Brown is going to be the top, if not um, top three receivers in the league? Good question. I, I think it could be in the next year. Honestly. In the next year? Yeah, I think it could be in the next couple of years. I do. I'm going to give it like three to four years. The kid is a stud. The kid is a tank. If you, first of all, last year, they teams knew they were running the ball. They were giving the ball to Derrick Henry and they still couldn't stop him. Now with AJ Brown and added Julio Jones, 
they don't have to you, you can pass it you can run it they're going to gain yards every play they're going to be unstoppable and I, I think agree. this team is going to be one of the most exciting new teams in the league this year I love it I think it's great for the NFL I think adding a guy like Julio Jones on a team that's going to have success you get to see more Julio and you get to see him in the number two jersey that's perfect and if you heard that phone oh. call uh, on uh, on this podcast, uh, that was every single Titans fan calling in to agree with me and Connor and tell Justin that he's wrong. So let's move on to the next topic. Exactly. <laughs> Three minutes on the clock. We're going to go to stir the pot on, uh, on Sided.co in our Sided Debates app. And this is about the Padres. So Connor, be excited about this. And I'm going to toss it over to you first. How do you feel about San Diego's current lineup? Is it a great lineup? Is it horrible and it needs to change? Or there is an other option. Right now, 52% of people on Sided say it's a great lineup. Well, first things first, Cameron. Uh, I've been talking to Justin about this for a while. He tends to disagree with me because Padres management, let's face it, they don't tend to change much. They tend to uh, not really let our um, skip call the shots too much over the years. They, the Padres management is kind of uh, dead in the water when it comes to this. But Leading off, let's say, let's start with the leadoff, okay? Why, dear God, tell me why, is Tommy Pham leading off at our number one spot in the lineup? Jeez, like, this guy's batting what, 2, 220? Yeah, on a good this day. This season? On a good day, yes, of course. He walks or he, I don't know, gets out somehow, every or, time. Or runs into okay. Hassan Kim. Sorry? <laughs> Or runs into Hassan Kim. That's another option. Yes, of course. He's a liability to one of our star uh, prospects. Are you kidding me? So wait. Next up, Manny Machado batting second blows my mind. I understood it when uh, Tatis was injured for a while. Now uh, Grisham's out for a little bit. But dear God, why is Manny Machado and Cronenworth batting two and three? I think it should at least be like keep Tatis at four. That's fine. The kid's a stud. Keep Manny Machado three, four, five. I don't know why he's in the two spot when Cronenworth is Justin. Justin was saying this the other day. Cronenworth is one of our better hitters on the entire team. The kids. The best the hitter. Kids. We have so much talent and I feel like we've been trying to connect the top of the order to the bottom of the order so long. And we're trying this new lineup to do that. And it's just not working out. We got to let our hitters hit. We were doing so good. The bats were hot last year. All of a sudden something's wrong. And I think it's this new lineup. What do you got for me, Justin? Well, I totally agree on some parts here. Tommy Pham should be batting ninth or designated for a free agent. Those we are, on, we are both on the trade Tommy train. Really? Get on board. We are on the – Oh, absolutely. Like, we bought our I mean, tickets a while I mean, the ago. Ma- Coming back to his liability thing, I mean, the dude makes terrible reads on the ball. Terrible. He has lost – tons of games for them in the outfield and and now everyone's bringing on the hype because he got four or five hits in a few games so everyone's got to calm down there he should not be leading off you want your fastest guy leading off I think Jake Cronenworth should be the leadoff guy he is fast he's our best hitter and gets on base and him batting third really doesn't do him justice batting second should in my belief should be Tatis I like Tatis in the two spot I like like his speed there too, and I, I like Machado at three. Um, 
This is another hot take. I like Will Myers at number four. Will Myers is my guy. Wow. I will ride with Will Myers. Wow. Love Will Myers. Uh, we can. We got five. We got. But I like five. I like when Grisham is healthy. I like him at five. I just feel the five spot for him. I like it. You know, after Will, you know, that's kind of a power guy. Then we we go back into Grisham, and he's got speed, and he's going to get on base for you. And then right behind that is another great on-base guy, Hosmer. And Hosmer can be hot and cold at times, as we've seen so far this year. But as we round out, I like, you know, Brian O'Grady is is shocking some people out there. I got to give props to Brian O'Grady. Great man out there. And cannot forget about Hayson Kim. Cannot forget about him. He's going to be a star. Hayson Kim is one of my favorite players on the Padres right now. I love him. We can put this guy in for Manny at third. We can put him in for to get uh, Fernando some rest when uh, El Nino needs to go to bed. We can put him in a second. I want him. I want him honestly to replace Tommy Pham in the outfield. That's how much I'm on the trade. Well, Tommy, that would be amazing. Trade so, Tommy Pham train all day. That's so how I'm, hard I'm. I I think this has been a great I think this has been a great lineup uh, <clears throat> due to the circumstances. Trent Grisham out, Austin Nola out. I think what's been killing the Padres is yes, the struggling top of the lineup. I think a big part of that is the bats are just starting to slow down a bit because they were so hot during that winning streak, and now you're facing better pitchers toward this part of the season. The bats are just slowing down a bit. The bottom of the lineup has been horrendous, and that's why I think a guy like Hassan Kim has to play more because, and that's why I agree with you guys, because if you put Hassan Kim at that six, seven, eight spot, mainly that seven, eight spot, it's a guy that can produce a hit and RBI and a run. And Webster Rivas is not giving you that. No offense to, to whoever <laughs> they choose to bring up at that position. I think it's been a great uh, circumstantial lineup, but I do agree that this lineup for the Padres is losing them games because right now, Jace Tingler is not putting guys in the best position to succeed. Now let's move on to the next one. And we're going to the NBA because the Utah Jazz just beat the Clippers 112 to 109. And it seems like this is a team that doesn't just have a chance to come out of the West, but a chance to win the whole thing, maybe challenge the Nets if everyone's healthy. And Donovan Mitchell with his 45 points in game one is proving to be that guy. The charity stripe on sided asks, where does Spida rank? Of course, that's Donovan Mitchell's nickname. And the options are top 25, top 10 outside of the top 25. My guess is this is in the NBA as a whole. And right now, the vote is tied between top 25 and top 10. So Connor, sending it over to you, where does Donovan Mitchell rank? Is he even in that top 25 category? Uh, I'd say top 25 for sure. The guy's got a the guy's got skill. Uh, I love watching him play. Um, he hasn't uh, been on the best of teams for uh, his entire career. And that's something uh, a lot of people take for granted nowadays. Uh, they think uh, rings mean everything, but um this guy's been grinding for a while, and it's just very exciting to see him play. Whenever he gets to the ball, uh, something exciting happens. He's fun to watch, and I think for sure he's top 25. Maybe top 10 is pushing it, but top 25 for sure. It's a young league out there. True. It is. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Connor, here, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a great player. I mean, he is so fun to watch just either if he's coming down the lane, dunking on you or, or stepping back and hitting his three, you know, 
he's one of those young players in the league like Luca and Trey and all those guys that we see are going to be the face of the NBA one day. And, you know, it, it's hard for me to put him in. I'd say personally, like around 11 or 12, like 13 is probably a good spot for him right now. So I, I'm going to say top 25 for sure, not top 10 yet, but I definitely could see him in there next two, three years for sure. Definitely. I think this guy has to be borderline top 15 on anyone's list only because you're right. The league is getting a lot younger. So you have to take that into account and the potential of these guys. It's no longer, I mean, you look at LeBron James and yes, you can still put him at the top, but you're talking about potential and what these guys can give you, not just in the regular season, but the postseason. The young guys are showing out. Trey Young is proving to be a top 20 player. I mean, at yeah. this at, at this point, right? D Devin Booker, Devin Booker could creep if he continues to have these performances and carry the Suns with alongside Chris Paul, he could make an argument that it's disrespectful to put him outside the top 15. And I think these young guys are going to continue to transcend this game. The NBA is in a really good spot with its youth. I think, of course, with its competition, it needs to go up a bit. But I love what Donovan Mitchell is doing in Utah. I love the youth movement in the league. And Connor, before we go on to the next topic, I want to ask you and then Justin, you can take it after this. I say that he's borderline top 15. Is there a certain number that you would confidently place him at? Could you say, oh, this guy's like around, you know, 16, 17. Do you think he's closer to 10? Because Justin, you said around 11 to 12. Yeah, I, I can see 12, 13. Um, you know, there's just, so, like you said, there's just so many good young players out there. And like still, I mean, it's just like hard because I just feel like you can name like 14 guys better than him. Um, like if you really yeah. set, like if you wanted to name the best guys, I just feel like there's definitely 13 to 14 better guys in the NBA right now. Exactly. Yeah. I think he's sitting pretty around um, definitely top 20 for sure. For me, at least like 17, maybe 16. But um, that top 15 is hard to break right now. You got a lot of Hall of Famers still in the league still. So, right. It's getting kind of, young, but still yeah, getting break. You got to respect the elders at the end of the day, as much as you want to put these guys into the top 10, you got to respect the guys that, you know, have been in the league for seven, eight, nine, 10 plus years that are still that good to be in that spot. Now, sticking with the NBA again, three minutes on the clock, we're going to make this fast and quick, but still give you all the information you need. Again, cited.co, our website, the cited debate app, go make an account, join the debate. Your topic could be discussed on this podcast. Defensive player of the year was just announced. And who is surprised at this point, it should be called the Rudy Gobert award. He's won it three times already. And this is in the past four or five years, of course, with Giannis winning it uh, last season. So Justin, is this the right decision? Stir the pot is, is back on the podcast and, and giving us the best debates. Do you think this is well-deserved? Do you think this is a snub pick or do you think that Rudy Gobert didn't even deserve to be in the top three in this category? You know, it, it really was an interesting season because, you know, people now after or this year, a little bit of last year, started talking about his game a little more and a little bit about how he is a def defensive player and he blocks all those shots and everything. And Draymond Green recently was talking about how he felt he got snubbed because he feels he can do anything on the defensive floor. And 
it's kind of interesting because I, I, I don't – I mean, you can block shots. That's great. You're seven, what, seven one. I just think if it's the defensive player of the year, you got to do everything defensively. You got to steal the ball. You got to be able to guard one through five. And I just think there are other guys out there this year that could have done that. I mean, you know, Joel had a great year. You know, Giannis had a great year. And Giannis defensively is mm. not as great as we're seeing in the postseason as, you know, KD letting them, let them see how, how to work. I but just, the, Joel, were, I want to make it clear though, Joel's a whole different story. Like he didn't even win MVP this year when he, he probably should have. Oh, he wow. was out. Well, he didn't play enough. So. There you go. Yeah, he, he did. He definitely did not play enough to even. Uh, yeah, he was in the MVP race and didn't win. So, so uh, Connor, Connor, do I, I hear feel like you it's an off year for Joel because Con of the injury? Connor, am I hearing you right? Are you calling Justin crazy for for Rudy Gobert winning Defensive Player of the Year and that being a, a bad pick, or do you agree with them? Not crazy. I've definitely heard. Uh, definitely uh, past years. Um, Rudy Gobert winning has been a snub pick. I've definitely heard that chatter throughout the league. But um, Rudy's got a great build at the end of the day. He's He is a defensive player. He's defensive mind. Um, his Yeah, his wingspan is just absurd. Uh, I think he is a great defensive player, but there were some options out there. If Joel didn't get injured, he would have been a sure pick, if not for MVP. Um, I just feel like there's more options than Rudy when – He's been uh, kind of giving us the same numbers, honestly. Yeah, and my thought is if I was more athletic and just a bit taller, I'd be in the NBA. So that's a lot of hypothetical. <laughs> exactly. Because what I, what I believe is Rudy Gobert was the surefire defensive player of the year because you take into account MVP. You take into account all those other NBA awards. And what's the, the, what's the thing that everyone points out? Team success. You know what I mean? Why did mm -hmm. why was the consideration for Steph Curry not as high for MVP? Most likely because his team finished eighth in the West. And, and you know, conversely, Joel Embiid's team finished first and Jokic's team finished what mm -hmm. was it third. So I think you have to take into account team success. Rudy Gobert, you're right, he's played more games. His team's first in the West. On top of that, he averaged almost three blocks a game. And Justin, to go to your point, he averaged a steal a game for a center. And then on top of that, 14 assists a game. I think that I, like, I get what you guys are saying, but it's fine for there to be the same defensive player of the year almost every season when a guy is dominating the paint that heavily. I get what Draymond Green is saying, but guess what? You don't average more rebounds. You don't average more blocks. Great, you average more steals. Yeah, because you're you know five inches shorter or four inches shorter. Yeah, I'd expect you to. It's hard for Rudy Gobert to even tie a shoe. You know what I mean? So I, I just think that it's fine for Rudy Gobert to be defensive player of the year. And anyone that complains about that is pretty much saying, can we have something new? Can, I, can we have, this is getting a little boring. So I understand what you guys are saying, but I'm going with Rudy Gobert all the way. He deserves it. This jazz team has been phenomenal. Another team that's been phenomenal the Phoenix Suns. And right now it looks like this Phoenix Suns team is going to go from the Steve Nash days, one of the best in the NBA to, you know, the days of, Oh, look, the Phoenix Suns are uh, even further down than the 15th spot in the Western conference, even though that doesn't even exist. And now back up to the top of the conference, they look like they're going to play in the Western conference finals. I look at the Suns team and I think much of what Bob Rauch is saying and why he posted this debate, because it looks like this Phoenix Suns team 
is doing everything that they were destined to do. But he also posted another debate, which I think is interesting, because I think the Suns make a deep playoff run anyway. But he posted another debate about the Nuggets side of things, because the Nuggets just lost by what was it, 17 and then 25? The last one, mm-hmm. 123 to 98. So Connor, do you are you crediting you know the Suns with this and their success and how they're playing, or do you think the Nuggets are just giving up at this point? Okay, first of all, I need to say, born and raised in Phoenix. Okay, it's been I I remember going to the practices, seeing Steve, seeing Amari, just uh, lobbing some up in practice, beautiful. Uh, but this. This really warms my heart how well they're doing. Uh, I've been telling people this. The Suns have made us forget that the Lakers were supposed to be a super team this year. They've just – everyone's completely forgot that the Lakers were a complete super team this year. They were basically the Western Brooklyn Nets uh, equivalent. But um, the Suns have been playing out of their mind, I think. I think D-Book finally got a little help that he needed uh, out of CP3, a leader to step on the team, kind of get the younger guys going. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's just being an absolute beast on the boards. Um, they're playing with fire. And I think um, the the Nuggets, who are still a very dangerous team, just uh, was, was on their heels for the entire game when uh, I was watching. And the Suns just didn't let up. The Suns are having a year. It's true. 100%. Justin, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's a combination of things. You know, I just coming in the playoffs, like after Jamal Murray got hurt, I just didn't think the Nuggets were going to go far. You know, a lot of teams can have great uh, regular season success, but it's much different in the postseason. So I just saw the Nuggets not performing as well. And the Suns have just caught fire now. I mean, they're just making every shot. And People are now realizing the importance of Chris Paul, which many of people have said for many years and many people have argued it, but it really just shows what Chris Paul like brings to a team and can change as Tom Brady did to the Buccaneers. But, you know, now Chris Paul has brought this team together and I, this could be Chris Paul's chance to finally get a ring that he's been waiting for his whole career. If and he doesn't get it, a ring... Is, he's a guaranteed Hall of Famer in my eyes. If he doesn't get a ring, is is he in the Hall of Fame for you guys? Yes. Yes? Still? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's not really a question. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. <laughs> okay, to hear. So, so Justin, I like the point that you made about it's you about Chris Paul and how he's playing. The fact that he revamped the Thunder team that pretty much added everyone that would you know have the ability to walk into their building is something to say right? And you talk about this Nuggets group. And the main question was, did the Nuggets not, did, did the Nuggets just not want to play hard? I think that's ridiculous. The Nuggets want to play hard. They just don't match up with the Suns team. DeAndre Ayton is playing like an all-star center. And I think in the next couple of years, he can get to that point. Right now, Devin Booker is allowing his teammates to get involved. When he doesn't have to take over and Chris Paul can have 15 assists and Mikel Bridges can have 21 to 23 points, D-Book is playing such an integral role in, you know, surrendering, you know, a a chance at a 50-point playoff game so his team can make it far. And I would love to disagree with both of you and say, well, the Nuggets are just not trying hard. But it's the playoffs. Everyone's trying hard. Jokic just won MVP. The Suns are just too good right now, in my opinion. Exactly. And another thing to talk about, Chris, you know, 
it's truly amazing what he's done to these young young players on the Suns, Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges, like you're saying. I mean, before this year, you know, they didn't really have a leader. And, the, and like you said, Devin Booker was needing to carry as he scored 70 points early in his career. And now he's he's able to to do what, what he's best at is shoot, get open and shoot, find other plays, players and shoot. So I think that's just why, why they're doing so well. Connor, was there was there something you wanted to add? I know the the hot take or it is playoff bash kind of jumped in. What yeah, I was, yeah, I was gonna say it is playoff basketball, so you can put that to rest. They're definitely trying. I think people forget how mental the game it is. Uh, basketball is, uh, and they might have checked out late in the game, but um, or it might have looked like they did. But uh, basketball is a very uh, mentally tough sport, and when you're down by – what was their uh, biggest lead for the Suns that night? When you're down by that much in a playoff game and not, not everything's working for you, you, you think you have the league MVP on your team, but he's just not producing. Like, things just start going through your head as a player, and uh, it doesn't – it really, uh, really shows out on the court uh, when stuff is going on in your head. Um, I think people just forget it's a mental sport. Uh, they kind of get on these players. They think – treat them like robots – they think they need to make every shot. And yeah, it's just regular people with a ball in their hand and a jersey. People forget. I, I also think people are forgetting that the Nuggets don't have Will Barton or Jamal Murray. And it wasn't apparent in that first series against Portland. But right now, you know, when MPJ doesn't step up, when it's all on the shoulders of Jokic, you see why this team needs an all-star caliber point guard in Jamal Murray. Now, this final debate, it's courtesy of our own Justin Kaplan, this one has nothing to do with sports, but why? We just talked about sports for a while. So why not throw it out there? It's on Sided. You can go and debate it on our website, Sided.co or our Sided Debates app. Make an account and give your thought on this. What is the biggest scam in the food industry? Is it Starbucks for not filling the cup all the way and it's too expensive? Chipotle because guacamole costs an arm and a, and a leg. Jersey Mike's because to get a giant sub, you have to spend 20 bucks. Any acai place because it seems like, you know, you change something into that color and it turns into a $40 meal or other. What are you giving me, Connor? Before we get to our own source, Justin. Now, let me tell you something. CPK was left off that list, and I'm I'm just ashamed, okay? I've been going there with my family for years. Let me tell you, portion sizes have been down. Prices increase. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's not a very good, uh, not a very good look for Great CPK. Pick, but know. I will say. I didn't think Yeah, I will say Chipotle. Chipotle's guac being three dollars just for a scoop on top of your bowl you kidding me ridiculous you know it's crazy the food industry you know they scam people it's truly amazing but i'm gonna go starbucks here you know starbucks is one of the best so-called coffee brands everyone loves it but they don't fill up your cup and we're they're like a five dollar coffee here like we're not talking about like a little Mm. mcdonald's one dollar coffee i'm okay with a mcdonald's one dollar coffee not getting filled up all the way you know you got to expect those kinds of things but coming from starbucks i'm spending like five six dollars for you know a regular size coffee it's a little ridiculous fill it up all the way come on what happened now, here at the top I would of like the market to... 
It is. And it's what happens when That's you have that view face. of a bougie. I mean, you have a bougie and fancy place in Starbucks. That's what they're kind of known for. I'm going to go acai, though, because I live close to a lot of acai places and I love it so much. But it almost seems like the bowls are getting smaller and my wallet is also getting smaller. So that's yeah. usually an issue. So I'm going to go mm -hmm. any acai place because it's known for it being fancy. But on top of that, I think it might be, you know, uh, getting a little too fancy for my liking. Look at that. Episode three of the Sided Podcast with Connor Nichols and Justin Kaplan. I'm Cameron Izaire. You don't have to wait much longer to hear us again because we're right back here tomorrow with episode four of the Sided Podcast. So we'll see you then again, a revolving cast of co-hosts. So we keep things interesting. We'll see you tomorrow.